Welcome to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast, where our team is helping people build their financial freedom. And one of the things we talk a lot about is saving and investing 25% of one's income. And I'm your host, Joel Farrell. And each week we dig into the ways that people are generating more income to be able to save more money and the ways that they are investing that hard-earned dollar. And lastly, the how, how people are making these changes. Because again, we're talking about changes. We're talking about changing behaviors. Let's get into today's content so we can help you on your financial journey towards living a life with the power of choice. All right. Welcome to another episode with Strive 25 Podcast. Uh, this is Joel Farrell, and I've got a couple guests on today. And you know, we talk about on this channel a couple of equations, the savings equation, the investment equation, and the results equation. So this one's going to fit into the investment equation because we're going to be talking about the crypto world and the, uh, the the news that's coming out today that has to do with uh, FTX uh, possibly going bankrupt. So um, Michael Allen and John Winkett. So Michael, can you introduce yourself first? Michael Allen, um, active duty military, Coast Guard, uh, but avid uh you know, recent crypto investor over the last couple of years. I've uh, been a longtime follower of uh, of crypto and uh, got my interest uh, in it uh, peaked at the at the height. Uh, learned a lot of lessons, but learned how to how to stay safe uh, in it. And a lot of that is through education uh, and just learning your way through the the crypto uh, world and Web three world. Um, and then uh, John, John, if you want to introduce yourself. Yep, John Wingate. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Financial and Bank Social and a handful of other companies that are working in the distributed ledger um, and what most people call crypto space. Well, let's, let's uh, dig in. Yeah. I mean, what, what is going on? The, the late person may not know, you know what FTX is and what's going on and all this news. So can, can you, let's just dig yeah. into this. What, what is going on out there? So, Yep, I, I uh, came on your show uh, previously, and we talked about about crypto and uh, various things that the ways that it is utilized and traded. And to just kind of dive into it, FTX is, a, is an exchange. FTX is, was was one of the larger exchanges in the world. Uh, they have different different subsidiaries in different countries. Um, and it was uh, run by Sam Bankman Fried, and uh, they've had some issues lately, as many centralized exchanges seem to run into uh, with liquidity runs uh, on on withdrawals, basically, where, you know, essentially users are starting to withdraw their funds and the exchange, due to various reasons, um, essentially mishandling of users deposits is unable to cover their their sheets and make sure that the money that was supposed to be there. Uh, to pay their customers and uh, their withdrawals uh, is, is not. And that um, seems to be occurring with FTX. And there were a couple of ways that they had, you know, potential, um, you know, parachutes and other big names in the space tried to save them uh, or provide them ways out. And uh, as of this morning, it looks like none of that has has been successful and uh, the way that this is kind of important for for users is that anybody who's funds were on that exchange they're heading into bankruptcy they've literally like filed for bankruptcy you know who knows if if any of those users are ever going to see their funds and something like this is why i wanted to bring john on as an expert in the field is because john you know you've been around for a long time and you know the the perils of centralized exchanges and the importance of 
self-custody of crypto. And so what are your thoughts on everything that's happened with FTX and Binance and how Bank Social and Financial fits into this world of helping people to stay safe in, in, in times like these where we see, you know, one of the largest centralized exchanges in the world go belly up? So to really understand what's going on, you got to understand uh, Mr. Deep Fried. So if you don't understand the history of, of Sam Deep Fried, you don't really understand what's what's kind of going on here. So Sam started as, um, you know, an arbitrage trader. He figured out early on, I can't remember the exact time, like 2014, 2015, that he could basically, you know, as as Tether and all that was coming online and prices were starting to get set, you know, on based on the ledger and the price it was being traded at, uh, he figured that he could buy stuff in you know, China at 2 a.m. and sell it in the United States at whatever time it is, uh, you know, because it's cheaper in China because everybody's sleeping and then he could sell it for more in the United States, whatever. So he that's what he was doing. So he started <laughs> as somebody who was trying to play markets. Right. Then they got into the whole, you know, we want to, you know, we want to save your crypto and we want to be this. And, and uh, you know, his whole, well, I'm a good person because I'm going to I'm going to eventually one day give away all my money to the cause that I deem worthy, right? Like we should praise Mr. Deep Fried for, you know, being uh, very philanthropic there. You know, the whole thing is basically it just been from that guy from the beginning. And, and I think we see it from, you know, a lot of these guys, they just, the, the way they make all this money is by holding custody in people's crypto and, you know, doing what they will with it. Cause you've signed an agreement that says that they can, and you don't know it. And really, this is the whole reason why crypto was created. Crypto was created to remove the middle. You don't need a middleman. And and really, that's kind of where we are. And Michael, you know, I've been a bit, I've always been a big preacher of all this. It's like that's that's what crypto was created for. And and you know, these guys have just been kind of the slick marketers. I mean, you you hear people that say that these exchanges haven't changed in you know four or five years, and they have. They've been the same exact you know they, minor upgrades and change. But the whole idea was get as much of your crypto as they can so they can amass fortunes, take those fortunes away uh, while holding your crypto in unregulated markets, right? Because it's, it's almost like a deposit for the most part when you're not holding your own crypto, you know? There's a difference between DeFi staking where you're in a smart contract that has open source code that you can read and people can audit. and It's got some, you know, public verifiability behind it. And it's a whole entirely different thing to go put something on some centralized exchange that they call whatever they want. Really what it is, is just them taking your money in an unregulated way and then using it for whatever purposes they want. And so, you know, I think that we're, the good news is like, there's a silver lining here. We're getting to the, to the end of the road on people that are out there that can make these types of market moves. Like there aren't very many more big exchanges um, to go down. You know what I mean? For this new rebirth to occur. Uh, you know, you've got people like Coinbase who look, Coinbase has been a lot more uh, restrictive with who they, you know, what what they sell, how they do it. You know, I think they've been a little bit more above board with Circle and what they're doing there. So, you know, they're they're kind of that they're the evolving piece, you know, and I think we're at this transition now. It's a great it's really a great reset for the whole decentralization movement because it's actually teaching, you know, I. I you saw some stuff from VCs. I mean, look, I talk to VCs. There's a couple that I won't name that have, uh, you know, told me some outlandish stuff. One of them just a few weeks back told me that uh, custody is where it's going to be. Sam Brinkman-Fried has the quarter, market corner. And I was like, <laughs> all right, brother, 
have a good day with that one. I literally got up and walked out of the office and we never, uh, we never talked again. They were, they were telling me how, you know, you've got to go into custodialship. And I was like, you don't even know. And they wanted to know, like, we're working on some algorithm to, to decentralize uh, uh, some stuff uh, for, for security and safety. And they wanted me to tell them how it works. And I was like, yeah, you don't, you don't get that. You think, you think custody is the way to go. You think Sam deep fried is the future. Go bet on him, you know? So, um, you know, I think See they did. And I think, gone to them. Well, they, they have, they did, they did bet on him. I mean, they told me that they were basically already invested in that. And, uh, you know, that's what they saw. And if we could make some switch to custody, they would think about it. I was like, yeah, we're not, we're not interested in doing that. I just saw an article that talked about how VCs are now saying, oh, wait, maybe we were wrong. Maybe this is about decentralization and figuring out how to just, you know, allow people like the new the new features are going to be to allow people to decentralize themselves, you know. And so that's how it's going to have to be. You're going to have to provide value in the decentralized world. And, and the good thing is, is that people are starting to understand what that means. You know, it's not just using a cryptocurrency. That doesn't mean you're. Yeah, it's, it's, I just, I got some, <laughs> that's not decentralization. Yeah. You know, so no. uh, it, and, and, and again, I think it's really good that this happened. Now, what sucks is that it's, it's, um, it's taking kind of the wind out of the sails when the wind was already not very, you know, there wasn't a lot of wind blowing around and people were already kind of deflated. What I will say, though, is that uh, there seems to be a lot more information flowing around. I don't I don't see the sentiment as negative as it was, for example, when Terra went down. Right. When Terra yeah. went down, it was like, oh, my God. And this is probably, you know, a 10x on on F, on uh, Terra Luna. You know, this is this is massive. This is, on a, yeah. you know, and I don't see a 10x response. FTX was what, like $9 billion in the hole now or something from, from everything that they were, went with uh, uh, Alameda, supposedly, with, with funding Alameda's trades and things like that. So, it's Yeah, big, they were actually, they were trading against their own, they were trading against their own customers. And when you do that stuff off chain, you can't really see it. See, they're, they're not doing anything on chain. They hold a few wallets, they hold everybody's crypto, and then they just tell you that you have this much crypto. It's all a facade. Most people don't even know that they're not that when they see a wallet address, that doesn't mean that it's their wallet. It's just a wallet address. If you go actually watch what's happening on the blockchain, they move it out of that wallet directly into a centralized wallet within a two seconds. It's gone. Because it's not it's not the users anymore. It's it's on the exchange. Exactly. They have control of it. So they have let, exactly let me rewind just just a little bit here. So we're talking about FTX, which is a centralized exchange. So if I if I'm, you know, just your average, you know, No, don't call it that. Don't call it that. Let's start making a differentiation in the verbiage we use. That's a custodial exchange. Custodial exchange. So what what, what does that mean? That means they are custodying your token. So there's two different types of cus- custodial shit. There's self-custody where you custody your own you, you yourself custody your own stuff, your own digital assets. And then there's custodial where they, somebody else, is custodying your assets. And they're just giving you kind of a written promise that maybe if they have enough money one day, they'll pay you back. It's worse than a bank IOU from the Fed. <laughs> Would you say that the average E-Trades, you know, TD Ameritrade account, owning just regular stocks and ETFs? Those are custodial. Is, so it's the, same, it's the same kind of a thing, right? 
it's the exact same kind of a thing. And don't tell me they're not leveraging your your Fidelity account against something else. They absolutely are. You've got money in there, you know. Um, this is they they probably have more people focused on finance and not making as many dumb moves as Deep Fried over there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. an example of that is like uh, basically, you know, a year ago, everybody got really really into crypto about the whole um, Doge with Robinhood. Like it was available on Robinhood and that was essentially custodial because Robinhood shut off withdrawals. Like when, when it ha- when like Musk did. Well, let's not even, I mean, Mike, Michael, it's not just that let's get out of crypto entirely of why custodianship is not good. I mean, look at what Robinhood did with stocks with GameStop and, and um, they stopped, um, they, they, they closed they the buy button. Sold. Yeah, they closed the buy button. They said, turn it off. You know, turn it off. You can't do this to us. It's like, wait, I thought it was my money. I thought I was trading my money here. And that's what's been perpetrated on people for the last six, seven years is that this custodianship is a good thing because you have crypto. It's decentralized. It's decentralized. No, that's complete and utter bullshit. And I'm so happy this happened because it's putting it right out there. And it's the same thing with stocks. And so what's going to happen is now... Stocks are, stocks are going to be tokenized and there are going to be open exchanges and Fidelity and all these people don't want it. They want to, you to think that you need them to custody your custody your Bitcoin and your new digital assets. You won't. They're going to have to change their model or they're going to die. Yeah, I mean, because you talk about the dark pools and off exchange, right? I mean, exactly. Going, going back to the whole eliminating the buy button with a couple of these companies, meme stocks. You know, some of these companies are trading at seventy percent off exchange, and I and I even Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, is talking about how the huge majority of retail trades are are, are um, constructed off exchange, not even to the lit market, Look, which have no effect I on buy pressure. I feel for Gary. I feel for Gary. Everybody else, you know, a lot of people don't like Gary. I very much feel for him. That is a tough fucking job. Think about what he has to do. That guy has to police markets that he has very little visibility into. Do you understand how easy it is for a fucking developer somewhere to go into a database and change a record? Right? That can't happen with cryptographically tied together ledgers, especially if they're public. You know, even private blockchains that can be put behind, you know, uh, uh, firewalls and put inside of DMZs to, to protect them, um, they're still cryptographically signed. And so I feel for Mr. Gensler, to, to, quite frankly, you know, in, in the beginning, I was kind of like, well, why isn't he doing? And I'm like, I understand why he can't do more. You know, he comes out and says it all the time. It's just how how's he going to go if some if some CEO walks into the dev shop and says, hey, you two, I need you to fucking wipe those all that shit clean. Come on, it's going to take fucking forensic experts. And if you have enough time and you know what you're doing, you're not afraid of that kind of shit. Yeah, and and, and just one thing that's popping in my brain as you're talking about that. I mean, you're, it's like doing your job with your hands behind your back, tied, and your feet and your mouth tied behind your back. I mean, you're you're robbing the robbing Peter to pay Paul. I mean, it's, all of it's interconnected. And like when you're talking about short selling, um, oh. I mean, you're talking about just ledgers and data points and it's a lot of it's self-reported right so like if, if you execute a trade and it goes out and you're self-reporting if it's long or short and like what the hell like you're you, i don't know i don't know it's just crazy you know kramer kramer Kramer. i saw a uh, you know jim kramer that guy oh yeah oh yeah so it, that guy <laughs> was on uh 
John Stewart or some somebody, and they asked him, you know, why why do you uh, why did you say this? And it was basically him saying that he shorts against himself. You know, he he plays against himself if markets aren't moving. He gra- he gets enough money to go out. It's just like that's okay. Like, okay, you know what? If it's not illegal, I just want to be able to see it as a user. I'm getting fucked because I can't see it too. Yeah, you know. I think like, I saw he that. Do all that he behind was- the scenes. And then, like, affect the news headlines and the news stories because they're all interconnected exactly. somehow with the institutions exactly. and, and whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm like, you know what? If you're doing that, I just want to be able to fucking see it. You know what? If it's not illegal and it's and everybody should have access to it, I just want to be able to see it or write programs to see it. So the whole point, like you said before, the whole point of crypto was to be able to have it on a blockchain, on a ledger. It's public, decentralized. And now we're talking about custodial exchange. Is Coinbase custodial? All custodial. Their model, almost exclusively around the world, the model for exchanges is custodial first. And the reason why is, is if they can, they don't have to convince you because people don't really know that there's another way, right? Which is why we created what we created, a self-custodial exchange. So we're self-custody first. Look, I believe there are, there are times where somebody should be like, Hey, look! I'm willing to risk this, cust- you know, this uh, self custody crypto asset and go stake it on some centralized platform. It doesn't even have to be decentralized, you know. It can be centralized too, and I'm willing to stake it there. Now I know though that I've staked it. There's disclosures, and you know, you're properly warned. Versus now, it's just everybody's crypto is in that pool. Nobody's told anything, and the few bad trades that they do result in you know these types of results or the many bad trades that they continuously do result in these results so So, yeah i mean most of the exchanges around the world are custodial okay so so there really isn't any major exchanges not that's that's completely decentralized there isn't and that's where we're coming into play so we're we're starting to make some big waves i can't really talk too much about this stuff that we're doing just because we're still under stealth with some of it the idea though is the shift to self-custody and making self-custody easy and transparent for people simple and that's what we're going to do. That's what we are doing. So th- there's talks and uh, of hey, well, FTX, they have your money, they have your your crypto, uh, they put it into their own wallets, as you're saying. And then he went and did risky stuff with the money, risky stuff with the actual uh, coins or, or the tokens. What does that actually mean? What, what are we talking about here? Like what they they have your actual Leveraging. coin, and then and then yeah, what are so- they doing with it? Leveraging it. Yeah, so they're going and leveraging it. Leveraging it to go. I mean, some of them are staking into DeFi. So they have a they have a you know just various things that they do with these tokens, right? From lending it to other exchanges. So they'll buy tokens with some of I mean, how many times have you heard in the last you know year and a half, two years that FTX is is uh, putting up a billion dollars to this ecosystem or this well that's what it's used for it's used to pump money into that ecosystem right that Solana or or Polygon or whatever it's pumps money into that ecosystem and so as those ecosystems ebb and flow so does their balance sheet and if they make up you know so that's one of the ways they do it they go stake into you know these DeFi lending pools they do traditional assets you know I mean they're they're all over the place and they're just taking high like you know, how bad did they get burned in the Terra Luna debacle? You know, I'm sure they got fucking burned. They're just private and they didn't really, you know, they didn't go down yet. So they didn't have to disclose. Now they're going to have to disclose. 
There's a term that in we the bankruptcy uh, staking. Uh, Joel, are you familiar with that? Or uh, John, if you can just kind of yeah, go let's over explain like, that. staking. What it's staking? A, it's is. a yeah, it's a money market on demand deposit account. So basically, it earns yield, and you can request your money at any time. It's a deposit account. They just can't call them deposit accounts because they're not banks, and those words are made illegal by banks at the you know legislative level. So staking is just yield deposit by another term. And they can have, you can have like a six month CD. You can have a six month staking pool. You can have a daily accrued staking pool where you can pull your money out at any time that accrues daily. Or, you know, you can have a 12 month, a one year, you know, whatever year and a half. So it's just like a, a CD staking pool in, it used interchangeably. And they're able to generate those returns to pay out because they're making money on, on other they're making money on your on your own money well, in other places. Well, the, is that right? well that's not necessary. That's yes, sometimes. You know, so in that model, you gotta look at kind of what the model is for how it produces income. Okay. So on something like, you know, there was this one token called um, I can't remember what it was, stat stat no loops or something like that. It was some some music guy released it. And it was basically paying like 90% APY. And it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't really work long-term, you know? And you got, you got to know that, or you got to know, you know, know how it's being funded. Like in that case, what they were doing was they issued half the tokens, created a liquidity pool, and then they kept issuing the other half of the tokens as a high yield. Well, that really is unsustainable. That's like probably one of the worst models of sustainability. You know, there are other models like, we're about to release a coin where well, we already released the coin. It's a, it's a stable coin. It's the first one-to-one uh, basically, you know, uh, falls in line with, with us regulation for how to, how you have to do this stuff. And we're going to have staking pools. And the way those are getting funded is, um, you know, cash from VCs that they're putting up. I mean, essentially is, is the way that works for a period of time. Um, and then it also though, long-term, there are fees generated off the exchange that get shared with all the pool holders. So there is a sustainable model there as, as trades come in. And this is more of a DeFi stake. So there's not a centralized entity that you're giving your tokens to. You're giving them to a smart contract. And the smart contract is managing the rules that everybody plays by, which is a, a fair game. It's, a, it's more of a, a sum zero because everybody who, who wants to can understand it. Nobody's given a direct advantage. Can you explain what DeFi means and how that's different than what we're talking about with custodial? So yeah, DeFi is decentralized finance. So when you remove that intermediary aspect of things and you make the intermediary not technically a person pushing a button, rather code executing, and then anybody can execute those set of codes with anybody, you can put all kinds of rules in there. So Decentralized finance is just one component of distributed ledgers and then this new decentralization movement. The other thing is like digital IDs. So digital IDs are going to start to become a thing where you self-custody your data and then people pay you for your data and companies pay you for your data. That's about to happen. Um, and so decentralized finance really becomes the underpinning, the, the power underneath this new financial network that's spinning up. Okay. So I, I read something where some of the, the two big market makers in, in the stock world, uh, Virtu and Citadel, um, this kind of fits back into the Robin Hoods of the world, E-Trades of the world that I think uh, Robin Hood with like 70% of their um, revenue was based on payment for order flow. So they would basically be 
taking all the trades and putting them through uh, Citadel off exchange and they're generating, you know, all, all, mm-hmm. all the revenue from that. So how does that work? So, so if I'm an end user and I go on Robinhood, for example, and I pay no commissions, which that's great for me, I'm not bad. That means I can make more trades. Well, it's it. arbitrage. It's arbitrage. It's cost and marketing. I mean, there's a lot of different ways they, they chalk that up, right? So arbitrage is one way. You know, they hide a little in the, the arb of the of what they get the cost of the stock for and what they sell it to you for. Okay. They chalk some of that up to marketing. And then there's some of that that they're on the backside, you know, leveraged paying for. The risk, that's where the big risk comes in, you know? Okay. So if I'm just a regular Joe out there and I hear about crypto and I want to go get in the game, you know, I, okay, it, it's come back down. Maybe this is a good time to get in. Maybe this is the bottom. Maybe it's not. I'll just dollar cost averaging over a period of time. How would the average person know whether they should be putting their money into a Coinbase versus an FTX that's now going bankrupt or any other exchange? Like, well, right? you shouldn't put your money in any of those. You should get a you should get a wallet like the bank social wallet. There's several of them out there. That's a custodial wallet. And the way you know it's custodial, here's the way you'll know. Okay. When you start up the wallet and create the wallet and create an account for the first time, you'll be presented with the opportunity to save your public, your private key. So you'll generate in real time on your device with cryptography, a public and a private key. And the private key is essentially the password to your digital assets. That's how you'll know that you have your keys and you have your wallet. Okay, so I, uh, my sister was telling me something about, I guess it's KuCoin. Is that an example? It's all custodial. So that's no, custodial. That's it. Look, okay. all of them are going to be custodial. The vast majority of them are going to be custodial. Okay. You know? If you're interacting on a website and it's living in the website, it's custodial. I don't want to go that far. I, yeah, the, the way you know that it's custodial or not is the, is the private key. That's how you know it's custodial or not. You you don't have control. Yeah, there are web versions that can spin up. So our like our bank social site, you can spin up a wallet on the web in real time. And it does that on your local machine with cryptography on your local machine. So it can't be intercepted. That can still be, you know, it can it can be it can manifest itself in many ways. For example, there are some Bitcoin ATMs that will print you a receipt that if you don't have a wallet, they'll create a wallet for you in real time. And that's called a paper wallet. And then you have 12 words on that or 24 words on that piece of paper on that receipt. And then you can take that to a a hot wallet, like a web-based wallet on your phone. And you can input those 12 words on your phone. And now you've migrated the viewership of those tokens on the chain into your other device. And you you can do that whenever you want. Right. So one case here, like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, let's say you're in the Ukraine and you're a refugee, right? And you've got your money on it. Let's look at two scenarios. The first scenario is the FTX Coinbase scenario. You've bought or KuCoin. You've bought your coins, they're on KuCoin. Now you're going across the, the country, you're in a different banking system, you're in a different ecosystem. Now you've got a maybe you can't get onto KuCoin because it's uh it's being blocked by the local government because they're they're trying to do something well you're pretty fucked you can't do anything with it right now imagine you're the same refugee and you memorize your your 12 key your 12 words it's only 12 words it's not that hard you can have your kids memorize you can highlight words in a book i mean there's a hundred different ways you can walk across the border with the keys without anybody knowing 
And then when you get to the other side, you can literally walk up to somebody and say, Hey, will you take uh, half a Bitcoin for something? I really need something right now. And they, you know, you'll find somebody, I guarantee somewhere who will say yes. Yeah, they will say yes. And so, and even, even if not, maybe you get to that country and now you're like, well, Hey, uh, I've got internet access again. And I do want to get on, you know, and sell a little bit on some exchange just to sell a little bit. You can do that with a different exchange. So, there's so many more opportunities when you have the, you own your keys and you own your assets. Does that make sense? It does. And it, like, like this is just mind blowing to me. Like the, the whole purpose in, in my small brain is, okay, why does crypto exist? You know, you're talking about blockchain and it's all digital and it's all public and available and, and it's, you know, decentralized is what's in my brain. Now we're talking about custodial accounts and then you don't, don't actually you know, have your own wallet. It's just like the stock market exchange, essentially. How is that even? I, that's just that's mind blowing. I thought that the whole, that was the it, whole purpose it of where they crypto. made it easy. It, it was the, the the all these custodial exchanges, essentially, John. I mean, I think this is where I'm getting that it was it was made easy for the user by taking away some of your control and giving it to the exchange. You made it easy for the end user, but the end user didn't realize that they didn't actually own their crypto. I would also say that they marketed more than, you know, they, yeah. they took a lot more money in the VC. I mean, it's, it comes back to what I was saying in the beginning. The VCs now understand that decentralization is the way to go. So basically they took a lot of VC money because they built something early. They took a lot of VC money and they said, hey, look, if we can get these people to give us their crypto and market to them to give us, I mean, the, the exchange interfaces are not that great. They're kind of shitty actually, some of them. And some of them are super, like we were talking before, super they're old. They're not great. They're pretty bad. Yeah. They're pre and even funnier, it's all forked from like three different versions. So like, like two or three guys built versions of crypto exchanges. And then all the other exchanges forked those exchanges. So it's literally copy and paste. I mean, go look at KuCoin. Go look at uh, Huobi. Go look at uh, you know, BitTrue. Go look at all of them. And they all like little different interfaces color-wise, but almost all the same pop-ups happen at the same time and, you know, everything. That's not just coincidence or that's not just them trying to be like each other. It's actually the same software that got forked, uh, you know, 500 times. And that's why so many exchanges just kind of popped up. So, you know, it was really a derivative of, you know, why, why did this happen? It's really a derivative. I'm not going to blame VCs because I think VCs just, you know, they're putting money where they see returns, right? And they're relying on the, the entrepreneurs to do this. I don't think they're in the room uh, necessarily you know, do, doing a lot of those decisions, especially in the beginning. Certainly, though, they now understand that the vast majority of them are going to come out of this and say, no, we need to power the decentralization. That's the actually what this is. It's like, yeah, guys, they tried to kill uh, distributed ledger technology over the last three or four years. They've been trying to kill that word. They've been trying to focus on the word crypto and the word Bitcoin. You know, that you don't even see other uh, like ETH and all that kind of stuff. Because once you find out so how something like ETH works, you're like, well, why the fuck do I need Bitcoin? <laughs> so it's like th there's this whole agenda that's been happening. And now it's kind of it's losing power. Big time because people are starting to understand that. Well, shit, I want my crypto. What do I need to do to hold my crypto? And that's where we are right now. We're literally right there on the edge. So, if somebody wants to to dig deeper into where to get into a decentralized exchange, it's not custodial. Are you saying that they can get into Bank Social's website and then get into a wallet? Can you explain that yeah, one more time? That 
Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, you can go to the banksocial.io website. You can download our wallet. You can go to our exchange. You can buy crypto. We've got our Telegram is probably one of the better places on the decentralized uh, ecosystem to live because there's a bunch of great people. Michael's in there all the time, always talking to people, making sure nobody's getting scammed or keeping scams down and giving a safe place to learn, understand, talk. We've got a bunch of educational videos. We're, we're redoing our educational series right now. It's like 15 videos. It's going to be really great. It actually is actually really great right now. Um, so yeah, I mean- that's, that's currently on your website. Where would they find those, those educational videos? No, the educational videos, um, I think most of them are on YouTube right now. We are migrating them to our my dot. So if you go create an account um, in our my.banksocial.io section, those will live there in, a, in about a week or two. Those will be living back there as little tiles that you can kind of go through. But so, right now it's on YouTube. Yep, and our YouTube. And, and, yep. and, the, and they would just basically search for Bank, Bank Social. Social. Uh, okay, and they can find that. Okay, cool. Yep. And then and people uh, we're trying to get like direct contact to, to like talk to our community. The, the easiest way is like, is like John was saying through Telegram, that t.me slash Bank Social is the direct link to download telegram and get the uh like right into our channel where the community talks uh, okay. to each other and, and answers questions and the, the moderators awesome. try to keep things down and, and keep things safe for the users we'll and, definitely and get these links them. when this gets posted we'll definitely get all these links and put them in there make it easy that's awesome so just for our listeners where can they find you on social media uh yeah you can so, find me at president hodl on twitter so i'm most active on twitter and linkedin on uh Twitter, I'm President H O D L. Hold on for dear life. Hold on for dear life. That's right. (laughs) And Michael. And I'm uh, at Seeker of Coin uh, on pretty much all the platforms and uh, definitely on Twitter. And I would definitely recommend people follow follow us on Twitter, follow John on Twitter. And uh, if you want more of this like serious education stuff, if John's doing uh, Twitter spaces, it's definitely something that you should be listening to. He's, he's, uh, got some great Twitter spaces that uh, that he puts out there. Yeah, I have the alerts on my Twitter to make sure that when that pops up and you're going live uh, and your and your actual tweets, I, I have alerts that come up because I, I I definitely want to see those things so that they alert me whenever you you post. So thank you on that. Um, yeah. I guess you know when when I talk to you know an investor, right? You know you've got multiple things that you can invest in. You can uh, invest in the stock market, trading, long-term ETFs, you know, real estate, crypto, NFTs. There's, just, there's so much out there that somebody can decide what to put their money into. And, you know, some of the financial advisors out, out there, I've seen publications talking about, well, hey, you know, put 5%, 10%, whatever percent, whatever percentage that you think is a, is a you know, a diversified uh, percentage to put into crypto. When you look at this as a long-term viable tool to be able to build wealth, how does this all play out in five, 10 years? John, I'll definitely let you answer this because you've been in the space long enough that you've seen this firsthand. So this is definitely something for you. Okay. So um, in the next 18 to 24 months, you're going to start to see the move to digital identification for this kind of stuff. Because now you now people know that they need decentralization. Businesses know, governments know, they know all this. So the next move to make that work, you can't be anonymous. That's one that you can be sovereign. You can't be anonymous. Nobody wants to deal with anonymous people. That's a, that's a fallacy. And I'm I'm not a believer in that. I do want to deal with sovereign people. And so the first move that you're going to see is into digital identity. So, you know, 
I'm not going to say you need to be buying this or you need to be buying that. Certainly, you know, look at your risk portfolio. I personally think it's a good idea to put a, a, you know, an amount, whatever you feel comfortable with, you know, smart contract platforms, I think are really the way things are going to go in the future, being able to put law contracts, um, you know, home contracts, uh, all this stuff. And the way you're going to have to pay for the network usage is with the tokens and coins on those networks. And so owning some, you know, it's basically like, uh, it's basically like going and getting a bus card, right? You can't get on the Metro. You got to bring dollars with you every time, or you can get a, a card, you know, and you use that every time you get on and off the bus. So it's same type of concept. It's just going to be for everything that you do on that ecosystem. Um, so, you know, things like Ethereum, things like uh, Polygon, Hedera. I really love Hedera. I think it's a great uh, ecosystem. It's a great network. So having a little bit on each one of those to be able to utilize the platform is what is, you know, going to be the most beneficial. For example, people who like to invest may find that there are some tokens like our bank social token where by getting some of that, you now participate in our uh, DeFi lending that we have where we uh, we lend to people or, or make agreements with companies for certain things. And, you know, then you get a portion of those rewards and a portion of those payouts. So there's a number of different ways to get involved. The first step is, is getting one of those base layer coins like Ethereum, like a Hedera, like a Polygon. Um, and then, you know, going somewhere like the bank social telegram and start to learn what you can do with these coins and how they interact with each other and how they work on chain. Um, and start educating yourself because you have the next 12 to 24 months to educate yourself about what's about to come. And then you're going to see the digital IDs come and then you're going to see this proliferation. We're already talking with the Texas Land and Title Association to do at the state level land and title on public blockchains. So, you know, that's and the main title, Texas, right? The, the other company. Yep. Chain title is part of that. Exactly. This is at the state level, though. It's not a you know, it's not some private companies working together to try to do something. This is the state of Texas and the you know quasi government organization, the TLTA in other states. Joel, you probably remember, you know, probably heard of the ALTA, the American Land and Title Association. They're part mm -hmm. of, you know, they govern kind of the rules around title and, and closings and escrow, all that. Yeah, they're looking at this stuff. And so you need to be aware now. The reason why I would say be aware now is because you, you'll you be in a position to take advantage of these systems early, right? And benefit from them long term. The reality is in 24 months, if you don't learn about them and you just kind of let them be integrated into your everyday life, you know, it'll be easy. It'll still be self-custodial. It's just that you'll have missed this kind of wave of opportunity to get get involved early. So I think that you know, in eventually the way bank, like with our get Rivia token, we're working on making things to where you don't even have to know that you're, I mean, you know, that you're self custody, you don't have to do anything different. I mean, there are some wallets out there that are just terrible the way they work. And so that's the evolution we're on now. It's going to happen no matter what, it'll be tremendously beneficial for you to get involved now and start learning so that you can start reaping the rewards when the next, because the next ramp, the next ramp is going to be massive. The next yeah. Yeah, next three to four years, the next ramp that happens out of this is going to be massive. So yeah. that's my thoughts on it. Ten years happen probably around five to ten years. You're going to start to see, you know, the majority of your 
banking systems and financial systems. Um, they're going to be, you know, more transparent. The regulators are going to have an easier time, you know, and then by 10 to 15 years, I think we're completely flipped where 90% of the financial world is running on distributed ledgers and open financial platforms. And then 10% of the world is kind of in that traditional paradigm still, because they just haven't had the, you know, the, the, the need or the, the want to move away from it. Some of the older systems and, you know, maybe dying economies, dying industries. So you mentioned the word earlier staking, and then there's a word deep pegging. I remember seeing this on, was it, was it, uh, you said tether oh uh, uh, that was terra, terra luna terra, terra luna okay and i think i saw some also uh, another one that hey this thing got depegged on the usd or whatever what does that even mean and, and what are the risks involved with something that's you know pegged to so, something so else? that was a stable coin that was a stable coin terra terra was a stable coin tus tusd and terra's problem was and i said this probably it's been over a year now i think i'm on a public uh it was a logarithmic uh, one right well, it was more it was more than that. The problem is it was like triple logarithmic. So you had three coins doing a balancing act where one coin would buy and set would would mint and burn itself based on the price of Bitcoin and the amount of holdings. And then there was another middle coin in there, their Terra or their Luna coin that was pegged against the US their tether USD. And so what people figured out, or I think they knew it very early on, the these you know, probably big hedge funds and stuff is that when it gets to a certain point, if they have five, six billion dollars to throw at the market for a few seconds, they could tank that thing based on how the algorithm works because it couldn't keep up because now you can trade at the speed of light with code. So or near the speed of light. So and then if quantum computing comes in, maybe as fast or faster than the speed of light. So when that coin and the price of Bitcoin being tied together when they these people came in and sold a shit ton of bitcoin the price of the luna started to depeg because it was tied to the bitcoin and then the price of terra started to depeg and then they bought the terra when it went down to like 30 cents they bought the, the usd coin at 30 cents and then the guys at uh, terra luna refilled their bitcoin bags to bring the to restabilize the price to get it back to a dollar then they dumped the a whole bunch of dollars on the market, which meant that there, there wasn't enough to cover the spread on the other side of getting the money out. So that messed up the whole equation again. Then they dumped more Bitcoin, which messed up the equation. And then by that time, they did that rinse and repeat three times within five, 10 minutes. And it was completely done by then. They had the, the Bitcoin backing that they needed to keep the dollar pegged to, based on how much was outstanding to the people that owned the Terra Luna, there wasn't enough to cover the, the stable coin. And so that whole system was just wrecked as a part of that. And that's only possible in a custodial account. Well, no, that's possible uh, in, in any place. I mean, that happens in stock markets, that happens with companies, that happens everywhere. That's only possible on a stable coin when it's algorithmic. Got it. So and the way our Rivia stable coin is, yeah, the way our Rivia stable coin is built is, because we work with credit unions and it's not for profit, we don't have to make these stupid, ridiculous, outrageous uh, VC, you know, returns on this stuff. 100x, 500x, these ridiculous promises, you know, it still can be a very profitable entity. It's more so there to help people to remove friction from their everyday lives and cost and lower costs, right? 
make it easier to transact with each other. And so that is backed one-to-one. So every time somebody gives a dollar, even circle is not one-to-one back. So USDC, it's not one-to-one back. Every time you buy a USDC coin, they take, you know, 70 cents or 60 cents, whatever it is, they throw it in a bank account and the other 40 cents or 30 cents is leveraged somewhere. So, okay, it's better. It's a little better. It's still not one for one backed. Well, the House Financial Service Committee is actually in the process of releasing a bill that you will see here probably in the next 12 weeks, 12 to 20 weeks, that's going to make it mandatory for stable coins to first not be owned by banks because, and we've been working with several people on this to make sure that this is written correctly. You know, they can't be working with banks. It It can't be a bank issued stable coin and it can't be a credit union issued stable coin. It has to be a company that's it can be owned by a you know a, a group of credit unions or banks um, and it has to be one to one verifiably backed that's one of the big key components of that so all these other you know stable coins they're not going to be able to get there very fast um, and and maybe to things like tether you know with tether where it was born it may never get there it probably won't get there you know So that's why you see people getting out of Tether slowly, slowly. I think a lot of people are still kind of jaded that it won't happen. Um, It's happening. It's coming. It's going to come. And so a lot of governments, once they realize that they kind of let this get a little far out of hand, I think they're going to, you know, they're not going to round up the reins of the entire crypto market. That's just too big. That's just too much of a challenge. They're going to start to go after the things they should, which are things like these exchanges that are not being up and up right? And acting like bank accounts that aren't disclosing shit. Um, they're going to go after stable coins, which is rightfully so. I mean, you buy a stable coin for it to remain a dollar, not for it to go down to 38 cents. So I think those are the next big moves on the government's radar. I think they're going to go after digital IDs so that they can make sure that there's sovereignty and trackability and verifiability of who did what. That's what the you know short-term future is here. A lot of good stuff. I know we're running out of time here. Um, if you have one piece of advice that you would give to somebody right now in this market, what would it be? Your keys, your crypto, get your crypto off of centralized exchanges. If you don't have the private key, it's not yours. You just gave your money to somebody and you're hoping they give it back to you. Unbelievable. Yeah. That, that, that's, this is educational for me. Uh, and I'm watching this stuff, you know, more than probably the average person is. This is, this is amazing stuff. Um, I have to have you on again at some point in time. I know you have a very, very, very busy schedule, a lot of things going on, but maybe down the road, we'll have you back on again and dig into some more of this stuff. But, you know, you mentioned 12 to 24 months, there could be a big opportunity. Love to dig into that a little more of, of so some of the range of things that people need to be aware of uh, to capitalize in a, you know, in, in, in a risk, uh, minimal risk type of, of way. But Michael, go ahead. Yeah. You got something? I agree with with John there. The the definitely your keys, your crypto. You know, if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto. The exchange is going to do what they want with it, and you could end up completely upside down with no access to your to your funds. And uh, the other thing that I would say, as far as like one thing for people, is to do your own research. Like it's all the more you can research and learn from resources and from the the truth. You know, the truth sayers not just, you know, personalities on Twitter and things like that. Find the people that are educated in the space, like John and, and some of the other other folks that I've been able to find and listen to what they have to say, uh, because they're, they're, they're generally going to have the, the real truth, not just some hype uh, about something. 
Guys, thank you so much for coming on uh, at short notice. Uh, this is just something that would just, just hit. So I want to get uh, some basic information out there for listeners. And uh, John Wingate, Michael Allen, thank you so much again. And uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much. See you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast. If you're ready to jumpstart your financial journey and take it to the next level, you may want to join our 30-day habit challenge, which you can find on our website, strivefor25.com, strive, F-O-R, the number 25.com. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram by searching strive for the number 25. And if you have any questions and want to reach out to us, you can also connect with us on our website. Thank you so much.